You're listening to Thankful, a sermon series about Christian gratitude. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We're doing good? Everybody good? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to see you. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell, tell them, I hope you bought me something nice when you went shopping this past week. Huh? Tell them you were good. You deserve all the nicest and finest things. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We are in the fourth week of a series. Uh, we are just titling Thankful, Thankful, uh, because the truth of the matter is, uh, really, we've, we've all been blessed uh, tremendously. We really have. And now, there are a lot of times in our life where we don't feel like we've been blessed, but uh, somebody gave me just a, a little, a little uh, uh, bookmark just a second ago. It says, there's always something to be thankful for. How many of y'all believe that, right? Yeah. Like, even if you're an Ole Miss fan, right? There's something to be thankful about. I mean, you know, you guys might not have won, but you know, you, you united our nation with smiles with your new theme song, fight song, Baby Shark, right? Right, right, right. Even if you're an LSU fan, right? You can be thankful, right? I mean, you scored 72 points. You didn't win, but you scored 72 points in a game. Man, there's something to be thankful about. So we're all blessed. It doesn't matter who you are. God has been good to you. He's been good to me. He's been good to each and every one of us. In fact, God really has been better to each and every one of us than we deserve, right? And so what we have said in this series is because we recognize that God has been better to us than we deserve, we have to acknowledge God's goodness. We have to acknowledge it. And it takes more than us just saying Thank you. It takes more than us just saying a verbal thank you, God. We recognize uh, that it's our actions that prove how we truly feel. And so in this series, what we have said is if we're really thankful for who God is and if we're really thankful for what God has done in our life, there are certain things that we will do. The first week we said if you're really thankful, we'll be a faithful witness, right? We will faithfully tell others about who God is, what God has done for us, and what God can do for them. The, the next week we said, hey, you know what? If you're really thankful again for who God is and for what God has done for you, you will serve. You'll serve in your home. You'll serve in your community. You'll serve in your church. And you won't just do it once or twice. You will actually become a servant. And you'll say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever Whenever. Last week we said another way that you and I can express our thankfulness to God and show our thankfulness to God is by giving, right? But again, we don't just give once or twice. We give cheerfully, we give sacrificially, and we give consistently. We give of our time, we give of our talents, and we give of our treasure. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is that if you're thankful, if you're thankful for who Jesus is, if you're thankful, for what Jesus has done for you, you'll be grateful in the grind. You'll be grateful in the grind. See, in my life, I've kind of lived under this illusion that there's always something around the corner, that there's always something in the future, something coming that's more important than what I'm doing 
right now. I actually think that we all live our life that way. Like if you think about it, when you're young, you begin to have these kind of thoughts when you're about 13, 14, maybe 15. You say, man, if I can just be old enough to drive, then my life will be awesome. I'll finally have some freedom, right? But then you're able to drive, and it's always something else. You think, man, if, if I can just graduate high school, then, then I'll finally be able to start living. And, and you do, right? You begin to realize, hey, you don't get to live for free. You actually have to pay for food, and you have to pay for electricity, and you have to pay for water. And so you're like, man, there's got to be something else. And so you think, man, maybe, maybe if I get married, then if I get married, my life will be perfect. It'll be great. And so you get married, and then you think, man, uh, I need something else. If we can just get a home, right? If we can just get a home, if we can buy this home, and then you realize, man, it's really expensive. So if I can just get this other job, if I can get this better job, and you get that better job, and it's still something else, something else around the corner. If we just have kids, anybody ever say that? If I can just have kids, anybody, you say that? If I can just have kids, then you have kids, and you're like, man, if I can just get my kids out of diapers, right? And then once they're out of diapers, you're like, man, if I can just get my kids out of the house, anybody, you know, it's, it's always something else, something else. If we're honest, again, no matter where we are in life, we tend to find ourselves wishing the current season of our life away and waiting and wanting for the next season of life to come. One day, just around the corner, there'll be that thing, that achievement, that, that accomplishment, that promotion, that friendship, that possession, that vacation that will make things better. Make things better. There will be that something that fills this emptiness that I seem to have on the inside. But what you find out is that usually once you get to that next season, once you get just around the corner, you find that there's just another challenge, another desire, another vision, another dream just to get out again of the current season you are in and into the next see I've lived my life long enough to really look back over it and see some real weaknesses in my life and when I look at my life when I look back on it what what I notice is that I spent a whole lot of time pursuing what I have wanted to pursue I spent a whole lot of time Pursuing my dreams and my desires and, and my goals and my passions and whatever it is that I get, I always tend to think that there is something better down the road. And our culture really tries to get us to fall for this trap. Not just me, but you, all, all of us. Our culture tries to tell us, hey, you know what? You deserve every great thing. You should just treat yourself. You should just indulge yourself. Think about all the commercials, everything you see on social media, man. It's like, you deserve this. Treat yourself. The problem is, is that that is not what Jesus taught. It's not. In fact, in Luke 9, 23, Jesus says this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Do you notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, if you want to follow me, you'll indulge yourself. Hey, if you want to follow me, you'll treat yourself. Jesus didn't say that. He said, if you want to follow me, you don't treat yourself, you deny yourself. 
And so there's this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that I kind of I want this to be like the springboard for this entire message. I want, you to, I want you to see this verse, and as we read this verse, as we look at this verse, what I want you to do is really to, to let this verse sink in real deep in your heart and in your life. I want you to grasp this verse. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says, so whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everybody say, whatever you do. Whatever you do, do it all. Now say, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you're doing laundry, whether you're picking up your kids from school, whether you're taking your kids to school, whether you're teaching kids at school, whether you are a welder, whether you're running errands, no matter what you do, even if it seems like nothing very important, you're serving coffee in the lobby. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, you're probably not like me, but when I look back over my life, if I'm real honest, if I'm real honest, I have to admit that usually what I do is not for the glory of God. Usually, What I do, again, is what I want to do. What I do is what makes me happy. What makes me feel good. What what makes me accomplish my dreams. I want to gratify myself. I want to treat myself. But Jesus says, no, don't do that. If you want to follow me, again, you deny yourself. And I'm convinced that the reason why a lot of times in my life when I get discouraged and when I get depressed, I'm really convinced that the reason why it happens is because I stop doing things for the glory of God and I start doing things for my glory. I start doing things for my glory. But what if real fulfillment? What if real fulfillment and divine satisfaction really are the result of Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What if really living a life worth living becomes you not doing things for you, but whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God? What if that is the key to really living a life, again, that's worth living? Again, the Apostle Paul says some interesting words on this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 9. Here's what Paul says, and he's kind of being vulnerable with the church. He's kind of being open and transparent with the church. And look what he says. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I want you to see what Paul said there. Paul said, look. I was really, really, really bad. I was a bad person. Man, I, I persecuted God's church. I hated Christians. I even killed some Christians. I, I was bad. But look at verse 10. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Do you see what Paul says right there? He he says, look, this was my story. This is who I was. But by the grace 
of God, I am what I am today. God's grace in me was not without effect. And for many of us, that's our story, right? We weren't good. We weren't faithful. We weren't righteous. We sang about that just a little while ago. But by His grace, by the grace of God, we are now what we are now. Not because we're good, but because He is good. Again, His grace in our life was not without effect. The sad thing, though, is that there are some people in this room who God's grace has not had an effect on your heart. His grace has not had an effect on your life because you haven't really let His grace touch your life. But the good news is, if that's you, you are in the best place. You are in the best place to to experience something unbelievable from God. You're in the perfect position to allow God's grace to move so that you can say, but by the grace of God, I am who I am today. Look at what Paul goes on to say here in in these verses. Unbelievable. He says, no, I work harder than all of them. So don't miss what he says. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God, and I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So what is Paul saying? Paul, Paul again, he's saying, I wasn't any good, but the grace of God transformed me. And because of what God did for me, I was so thankful, I was so grateful that I worked hard. I worked harder than the rest of them. But it wasn't me doing the work. It was the grace of God in me, helping me to do what it was that God has called me to do. I worked harder than all of them. Now this verse right here, man, it, it speaks to me on so many different levels. What I like about this verse is that I don't think Paul is bragging. I don't think Paul is bragging. Because you ever been around somebody who, who always brags? You know what I mean? You ever been around somebody and when you tell them something like, man, I'm so tired. They look at you and like, boy, let me tell you about tired. I had to wrestle a bear just to get breakfast this morning, you know? And they had to walk over hot lava just to get a glass of water. And every time you say something, they just want to tell you about all they did and all they've done. Have you ever met somebody like that? Man, if that's you, nobody likes you. I'm just real. I'm just gonna be honest. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I don't think I don't think Paul is bragging. I, I, I don't. I don't think he's bragging. He I, I don't think he's bragging. I also don't think that he's complaining. You ever been around somebody who that's all they want to do is complain? Look at what all I do around the house. Look at what all I do. You're, you know, you're, you're, there are some people who that's all they do. They complain, right? If you were to give them a check for a million dollars. They would complain that they had to take that check to the bank. You know what I'm saying? They just want to complain. You could have at least cashed it for me. I mean, they just want to complain. But I don't think Paul is bragging, and I don't think Paul is complaining either. I think Paul's just stating the truth. I really do. And saying, by the grace of God, I just worked hard. By the grace of God. I think Paul was saying, I've been so transformed by the grace 
of Jesus. I've been so transformed. And because of what God did in my life, because of what God is doing in my life, I just work hard. I work hard because of Jesus Christ. So whatever I did, whatever I do, I do it all for the glory of God. I worked harder than all the apostles. See, I can't even imagine to, to begin to understand the depths of the sacrifices that the apostle Paul made. I would love, I'd love to be able to go back in time and just sit and talk to Paul. Maybe chill around some campfire, you know. We'd be drinking our wine out of the wine skins. I'd be drinking water. I don't like wine. But he'd be drinking his wine, you know. And so we'd just be saying, hey, Paul, man, you got to unpack this for me. Paul, you got to, man, what do you, follower of Christ to follower of Christ, believer to believer, what in the world do you mean you worked harder than all the rest of them? And I can imagine Paul saying something like, look, I'm not trying to brag, but you know, while every other person went to bed early, I stayed up praying and strategizing. I got up early and I went to the office because, because I wanted to do things right for God. When most people were desiring comfort, I realized that following God isn't about being comfortable. You know, I was beaten multiple times. I got stoned, Robert, not, not recreationally. Like people picked up rocks and threw them at me. They, they tried to kill me, Robert, but, but they left me for dead. But I got up because I had to go on. I was shipwrecked three different times, Robert, three different times, but I just moved on. One time I got bit by a poisonous snake. Man, I didn't like that at all, but I shook that joker off and I kept on going. And I can just imagine him going through this, and he's not being prideful. If he was being prideful, he'd say something like this. Well, you do know I wrote the majority of the, the New Testament. You know, I, I did that. He, he's not doing that. But I believe Paul would say, man, I really, I really tried to memorize as much scripture as I could. I tried to hide God's word in my heart. And he, I can hear him saying, you know, when I was in prison, when I was in prison, man, I, I didn't complain about it. I didn't complain about it. I didn't fuss about it. I just kept on working. I thought, you know what, if this is where God has me in this moment, I'm just going to do it all for the glory of God. So I told the inmates about Jesus. Whoever was chained beside me was going to hear about Jesus. When I went into these cities that didn't have any Christians, any churches, I just told people about Jesus. And we had believer after believer after believer come to know Christ. And we started churches in these areas where no churches had ever been. We didn't have any resources, but we just kept on. We didn't have leaders, so we rose up leaders. We just kept going on. We just got the job done. I worked harder and everybody else. See, I think it's safe to say that whatever season Paul found himself in, he wasn't wishing it away for another season. I think wherever Paul was, he was all there. Whatever he did, he was doing it all for the glory of God. Wherever he was, he was going to be there all for the glory of God. When he was in prison, he didn't say, one day, when I get out of here, I'm going to be able to do what it is that God wants me to do. No. He just told people who were chained beside him about Jesus. And then he said, hey, give me a pen. I've already told everybody else here, give me a pen, give me a piece of paper. I'm writing a letter to the church in Philippians because they need it. When he was shipwrecked, you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, well, God really let me down. 
I mean, I prayed for protection. And God just left me here like this. He didn't do that. He didn't complain. You know what he, I believe? He's like, he's like, man, we didn't die. We're blessed. And because we're blessed, we need to just keep on moving on and doing what it is that God wants us to do. God must still be with us. Whenever Barnabas turned on him, you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, man, I'm leaving this church. If this is how Christians act, man, I don't want anything to do with them. Barnabas didn't support me the way that I thought he should. I'll just quit. We'll see how they do without me. Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't get bitter. He said, you know what? Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it all for the glory of God. See, I don't know how this might specifically apply to you, but you may be changing diapers. You may be just making calls, sales calls. You might be an electrician. You might be doing whatever it is, and it might not seem very important to you, but you should declare what you are doing, you're going to do with integrity, and you're going to do it all for the glory of God. I'm going to be the best teacher I can be for the glory of God. I'm going to be the best welder I can be all for the glory of God. I'm, I'm going to be the best whatever all for the glory of God. And when you live your life that way, suddenly you, suddenly you wake up and you realize, man, this is the blessing. It's not way down the line. It's not this thing in the, in the far future. This is the blessing that I get to bring glory to God right now. Now, I can be grateful in the grind. I can be grateful in the everyday life, even in the mundane. But what I want to do for the rest of our time together is I want to show you three things that are enemies. Three things that are enemies of gratefulness in your life. Three things that are enemies of gratefulness in my life. Three things that try to distract us. If you're taking notes, you want to write them down. The first enemy of gratefulness is the pillow. The pillow. Now, I don't know about you, but I like a good pillow. Anybody else? Like, honestly, if I'm going somewhere, you know what I'm taking from my house? My pillow. Because I want to be what? Comfortable. I want to be comfortable. But this world tries to seduce you, and it tries to seduce me with comfort. Like, think about how much has changed in recent years. In recent years. Like, when I was coming up, my mom had this big, huge, red car. I, I, don't, I don't know what, that, what kind of car it was, but if it was compared to something that you would buy today, it probably was a Chevy. I, I don't know, man. Something people just wouldn't want. You know what I mean? So, but, man, it just wasn't very popular. wasn't very popular. And, and, so, and so I don't, you might not know this, but how many of y'all know that cars have not always come with cup holders? Did you know that? Like, they didn't come with cup holders, but you could stop by the gas station and you could buy these plastic cup-looking things, these frame-looking things, and you would this is before you had you would have to roll your window down. You might know, and then you'd shove that little plastic thing between the between the rubber and the glass, and then you would roll the window back up. And guess what that was? It was a cup holder. You put your cup there, and you're like, "Look how fancy we are!" Ooh, we're blessed. But you know you couldn't fill that cup up too much because it wasn't real sturdy. And if you had it filled too much and you hit a bump, man, you were going to make a mess. But you were like, look how luxurious. Got these cup holders. Fancy. So comfortable. Now, man, now if you go to buy a car, every car that's made has at least 20 cup holders in it. It's crazy. 
They're in the doors. They're in the, why would you put a cup in the door? I don't understand. You got them in the center console. They're like behind you. They're in the rear console. They're on your dash. They're everywhere. So you're like, well, I kind of like my cup holder right by the gear shifter. Well, I kind of like mine behind, so I have to reach. I like mine beside. It just wants to make you comfortable, right? Cars now, they, they, have, they have butt warmers. <laughs> I remember the first, well, how did we ever live? But I remember the first time I was ever in a car or in a vehicle that had butt warmers. I'm in somebody's truck, and I'm sweating bullets, man. I thought I was having a panic attack, a heart attack. I'm over here going, hey, man, I, I think I'm at something's wrong. What's wrong? Oh, somebody left the butt warmers on. The what? What? And this is the best thing since sliced bread. That's like almost a standard option in cars now. A butt warmer. You can have air conditioning in your seat. You can even get massaging seats. If you build a house now, you can have heated floor tile. Well, I can't wake up in the morning and have my feet on cold floor. Oh, that's barbaric. You can have a heated towel rack. Oh, let me warm my... What in the world? How did we live, right? But that's what this world wants you. Just get cozy. Get comfortable. Get comfortable. But I want you to know God never called us to comfort. Easy never changed the world. Easy never changed the world. And yet that pillow cries out. And when we're always craving comfort, craving that next thing that's going to kind of make life easier, we forget to be grateful in the current situation we find ourselves in. So the first enemy, again, of gratefulness, it's the pillow. The next enemy of gratefulness that I want you to see is the shiny. The shiny. Amanda and I, well, really the whole family, driving home Thanksgiving Day from Brandon, Jackson area, and we were driving on the trace. It's, it's nighttime. Man, there were deer everywhere. Deer everywhere. And so we get up a little ways, and literally there is a deer, like, standing on the road, look, just mesmerized by these headlights. Why did deer do that? Cross the road, right? That's what he's doing. And so we say, man, deer are so dumb, but we do the same thing. How many of y'all go look at Christmas lights, drive around in your car? <laughs> we do the same thing. It's like you're supposed to be driving. Hurry up. I mean, that's, we're just, and it's not just lights that distract us, though, right? It's not just lights that distract us. Like we'll be just be, be living our life and bing, you'll get that Facebook notification. Oh, oh, I got to see what's going on. And your kid over here is like, you know, putting their finger in an electrical socket or something, you know. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, bing, oh, I got an Instagram thing. right? Oh, did you see Netflix has suggested this new show for me? I got to check it out. I got to check it out. Bing, bing. There's just all, the, all these shiny things that are trying to get our attention. All these, try, these shiny things trying to distract us from what's really, really important. And a lot of times, again, because we're chasing that, that next shiny thing, it robs us of the gratefulness that we should have for what we already have. Right? It, it, it really does. We're constantly chasing something else. So the pillow is the enemy of gratefulness. The shiny is the enemy of gratefulness. And one more I want you to see. That's the enemy of gratefulness is the towel. 
the towel. See, there, there's this constant temptation just to quit, throw in the towel, right? When the marriage is tough, quit. You want to throw in a towel. When, when friendships get difficult, we, we quit. We want to throw in the towel. You know, we're trying to get our finances in order. And so we say, hey, we want to live debt-free. But then you see all these sales that they're having on Black Friday and all the things that they're promoting for, you know, Cyber Monday. And so you think, well, forget it. Let's just charge it. We can pay it back later. Let's forget about trying to live within our means. Just quit. Throw in the towel. Even in Christianity, there's this temptation to, Throw in the towel. I can't tell you how many times I have heard this similar story from so many people. Well, I, I tried God. I went to church. I read my Bible once. And when I got around Christians, I, I just didn't feel welcome. I didn't like it. I, didn't, I, just, I just quit. So I threw in the towel. I just threw in the towel. Listen to me. You can throw in the towel or you can pick the towel up and you can wipe this, the sweat from your brow and you can get back at serving. And you can get back at doing what it is that God wants you to do because whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it all for the glory of God, and when you do that, when that really is your attitude, you understand that you are blessed right now. The prize, again, is not way off in the future. It's not way off in the distance. This right here, what I'm doing, is bringing glory to God. See, folks, there is a higher calling for you than just comfort, a higher calling for me than just comfort, a higher calling than the shiny and all the things that are trying to distract us, and a higher calling than throwing in the towel. Our calling again is to get in the game in whatever it is that we do. Wherever we are, we're going to do it all for the glory of God. See, here's the deal. Most of us are passionate about a lot of things. But how do you get passionate about everyday life? You ever wondered that? How do you get passionate about the daily grind, just the mundane Here's how. You start with God. You start with God. And you realize, again, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the glory of God. You're on assignment from God. Think about the Apostle Paul. Do you think the Apostle Paul had his own passions? I'm sure he did. Things he liked. Maybe, maybe he liked to play the guitar. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he dreamed of one day being on Jerusalem's Got Talent, being discovered, <laughs> being able to travel around Jerusalem and sing songs about riding donkeys on dirt roads. I don't know. But you can bet he had some passions. There were things that he got excited about. What he was not passionate about was being beaten and left for dead. I promise you he was not excited about receiving 39 lashes from the Jews 
five different times. There was never a time in his life where he said, man, if I can just get beat that bad, life would be so great. Life would be so perfect. But instead of pursuing selfish, self-centered passions, he pursued God's purposes. And because he did that, he was able to say things like he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Look at what he said. He said, you know what? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. All my dreams, all my passions, all my desires, they're worth nothing to me. And he says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And what was that task? It's the task. It's the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, I'm wrapping up. But my question is, is that your only aim? Is that, is that your only aim? To finish the race and complete the task that God has for you? Is that my only aim? See, Paul had firmly connected himself with the purpose of God. And because of that, he found fulfillment. Because of that, he had real passion, even in the midst of terrible situations, even in the midst of terrible circumstances. It was because he had connected himself to the passions of God that he was able to say things like he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. For that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, if we could just truly connect with that. If we could just openly, man, really embrace the idea that whatever we're doing, whatever we're doing, it's not for us. It's for the glory of God. I believe that would change our hearts and it would change our attitudes. When you're at work tomorrow and you're just, I hate my job. Whatever you're doing, you're doing for the glory of God. God's placed me here. I, I can be excited about that. And, and, and when you're not looking for another season and another, and another day, you can say, you know what? This is the day that the Lord has Made and, and because of His grace in my life, I'll rejoice and be glad in this day. Because this life isn't about me. It's not about indulging myself. It's not about treating myself. It's about denying myself. And everything I'm doing, again, it's for the glory of God. It's not for me. It's for Him. It's for Him. So if you're thankful for who God is, if you're thankful for what God has done for you, if you are, you'll work hard. If you, if you are, you'll work hard because His grace has not been without effect on your life. The real question is what effect has the grace of God had on your life? What effect has it had on mine? Does His grace cause us to be grateful in the grind?
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I know today that if you're like me, you probably don't do it all for the glory of God. And if you'd say, Father, forgive me for that. Help me to really embrace this lifestyle that my life is not about me. And that whatever I'm doing, wherever I am doing it, I'm going to start doing it all for the glory of God. If you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that that will become a reality. I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand right where you are. Amen. 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 A lot of hands. Father, we just pray that you would help us to think about how we live. Father, that you would give us the strength, really, Father, to understand that life is not about us. That you would empower us with your Holy Spirit so that we really can bring glory to you in everything that we do. Forgive us, we pray, for not being grateful in the daily, for not being grateful in the mundane, Father, today, we want to bring you glory, and tomorrow, and the next day, and every day. As we continue to pray, I wonder today if there's somebody here who really needs to be touched by the grace of God, who knows that they need to allow God's grace to transform them. They know that they need to be transformed by the grace of God into a new person, into a new being. The Bible says it's possible if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and if you confess Jesus Christ as Savior. And so if you know today that you need to be saved and today is the day that you really want to commit to Him, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Save me today from my sin, from myself, from my selfishness. And help me, Father to be a new person. Make me into that new person. And may I live each and every day of my life for you. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Thank you for saving me. Again, we're continuing to pray, but I wanted today, if you prayed to receive Christ, if you just do me a favor and lift your hand so that I can know that God's grace was not without effect. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, that your grace is still alive, that your grace is still sufficient for each and every one of us. Father, we give you praise and honor for everything that you've done in our life. We just ask that you would just bless us now. Bless us now as we continue to worship you for who you are. We pray in Christ's name.